Thank you for tuning in today at Propel Church. Whether you're watching through YouTube or listening through a podcast, we want to say thank you. Our hope at Propel is that you would be propelled into an authentic relationship with Jesus. From wherever you are tuning in, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We are in a message series called Alignment, and this series is a really fun one because uh, we kicked it off with 21 days of prayer, and that 21 days of prayer and fasting wraps up today, so some of y'all get to see barbecue for the first time in 21 days. It's going to be a good Sunday afternoon in Jesus' name, but man, I tell you what, during these 21 days, we've seen God do really amazing things and uh, can't wait to hear more stories about what God has done in your life as you've sought after him, you've prayed, you've fasted, and you've really gone all in. I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, hey, you know, I've been a part of Propel Church for years now. This was the first time I went all in and uh, man, it actually works. And to that, I would say, yes, you know, like it does. And, and so go all in. If, if you are maybe on the fence, if you'll go all in, I promise you'll see God do more in one year than you've seen him do in 10. And so excited to be here with you today. During this message series, we kind of go through each part of our vision after we talk about 21 days of prayer. And this is what the vision here at Propel looks like. It's that we want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Now in week two of this series, we talked about knowing God and we kind of unpacked Luke chapter 15. And then last week, we talked about finding freedom and went to Judges chapter 16 to look at the life of Samson. And if you missed that message, you're gonna wanna go back. You're gonna wanna listen to it because I promise it's called the secrets or the keys to freedom. And uh, actually that's not it, it's the recipe for freedom. The keys to freedom uh, was the original title and then I changed it at the last minute. So there you go, recipe for freedom. It's, it's gonna be a great one, I promise. Uh, there's some good stuff in there for you. Today, here's what I wanna talk to you about. I wanna talk to you about discovering your purpose. Now here's what I know. Every single one of you that are here today were made on purpose, for a purpose, with a purpose. You're not here by accidents. I know uh, maybe you heard from a parent or a relative that you were a surprise baby, and you may have been a surprise to humans. You were not a surprise to God. In fact, before you were in, when you were in your mother's womb, God knew the hairs on your head. He knew you intimately, personally, and you are handcrafted by him for the purpose of making a difference. But you will never make a difference if you don't figure out why you were put here on this earth. And chances are pretty high you've been at the place at some point in your life where you've been like, man, why in the world am I here? Yeah. You ever been there? I have those thoughts when I'm like driving down the road, you know, like I'll, I'll be driving by myself and I'll just go, why am I on this earth? You know, <laughs> like it's that overdramatic self you can't entertain for too long. But right. I have those thoughts of why am I here? And you know what? Years ago, I was working kind of a, a nine to five and just realized that man, there's got to be more to life than living for my next vacation. And I would just say God made you for more than that. And so during this message today, what I'm going to hope to do is help you and I uncover from God's word uh, how you were designed and how you can figure out the purpose that God has given you. And to do that, we're going to study the life of David. Now, if you're not familiar with David in the Bible, David is the giant slayer, right? He is the one who conquers and defeats Goliath. But not only that, David's story doesn't start there with giant slaying. It actually starts with him in the middle of a field. 
See, there was a prophet named Samuel, and Samuel was coming to town to anoint someone to be the next king after King Saul. And so Samuel, the prophet, stops at Jesse's house and says, one of your sons is to be the next king. Can you bring him out here, and I'm going to look at them. So Jesse brings out all of his sons, and Samuel starts to look at them, and he sees one of them that looks really strong and built, and he says, oh, that's got to be the one. But the Lord says that he doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. In other words, you can be beautiful on the outside and still broken on the inside and not fit to be king. And so he looks at that and says, no, none of these sons are it. Do you have any more kids? And Jesse goes, you know what? I forgot about one. Because at some point, if you got that many kids, you just, you can't keep track of them anymore, right? So there's this one son of Jesse's named David who is in the field. And and think about this, because David's about to be anointed to be king, yet was forgotten by his father. Like he had all this capacity, all this potential, all this development, and yet he was the one that was consistently overlooked. And so if you've ever felt that way, know that you're in good company with those who we find in Scripture. So David comes in from the field, and Samuel looks at him and anoints him to be king. And it would be interesting if the story then went from David being anointed to be king to then going immediately to the palace. But there is a significant period of time between when David was anointed and when he was appointed. There's oftentimes a significant gap or a significant period of time that takes place from when you discover your purpose and then are positioned to do it. So David ends up going back into the middle of the field, and as he's in the field, one day his brothers are going off to war, and dad says, hey, I want you to go check in on your brothers. So David gathers up a charcuterie board. He's got the cheese. He's got the bread. Come on. And he goes to the camp to see his brothers. And when he gets to the camp, he sees that there is this giant named Goliath. All of the other Israelite armies, all the people in the army, are sitting there terrified. No one wants to go fight Goliath. And David, this little shepherd boy, says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that stands against the armies of the living God? Now, you and I would say, well, that's not that big of a deal. Those were Christian cuss words back then, right? Like David is saying, who the heck is this guy? Because we serve a really big God. So David says, you know what? I'm going to fight him. I'll take him out. And this is the conversation that he has with King Saul as he says uh, that he's going to take out Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 32, it says, Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. And Saul says, Don't be ridiculous. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. In other words, he says, David... This guy saw, this guy Goliath, he has been training his entire life. He's been getting ready for this moment. While you were eating cereal, he was eating brains. Like, I mean, this is, he's a monster. There's no way you're going to be able to win. But David persisted. He said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. Again, get the contrast, okay? One man has been preparing for battle since he was a teenager. One is like, yo, I've been on a farm, you know? But he goes a step further. 
It says, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club. I rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Come on. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. See, when David is questioned about his giant slaying qualifications, the first thing he does is he goes back to what he's done in the past. One of the tendencies for believers is when we step into a relationship with Jesus, we realize that according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that our old life is gone and our new life has come, which means that we're not walking in the ways that we used to walk in. It's a new life. But the tendency is to discard the things of our past, thinking that those things have no purpose for what God wants to do in your future. But I believe if you really want to figure out your purpose, where you've been is development for where you're going. See, what David knew as he's talking to Saul is that where he was at in the past was actually preparing him for this moment. And think about that perspective shift for your life for just a moment. What if you saw everything in your past as development for where God wanted to take you in the future? It's not that those things were just bad. It wasn't that those things were just awful or those things happened. No, those moments were moments of preparation, which means that our waiting seasons are not wasted seasons. When David is in the middle of the field and animals are coming and attacking them, what he didn't know then was the task of taking care of something so small like sheeps and goats and lambs in his past was actually preparation for him to take care of a nation down the road. Don't discount the small things you're doing right now. Because if you're faithful with little, you'll be entrusted with much. The past seasons of development where David was, was getting him ready for where God wanted to take him in the future. Whatever you're facing in front of you, it's not meant to defeat you. It's meant to get you ready for what's next. I remember when Tori and I started the church and uh, we planted Propel Church. Now we're young, right? Most people don't know how young we are, but I'll just, I don't feel like doing math with you today. But when Tori and I started the church, we were 22 years old. Now here's what I'll tell you. I don't recommend that, right? Like, that is not, that's not recommendation. It really has to be something that the Lord is calling you to do. And he's very clear on it. We had mentors and overseers in our life that confirmed that call, but we were really young. And so what most people would say is, hey, you're too young. You don't have enough experience to plant this church. But what they didn't realize is what my first six months in ministry looked like. And so when I first got into ministry, I gave my life to Jesus. I plugged into a local church. Within the first six months of ministry, we had a kids leader charged with indecent liberties with a minor. We had uh, people, a teenager commit suicide. We had an executive pastor embezzling money. I had a kids pastor who punched a volunteer. I mean, like we were, uh, it, was, it was messy. I thought I brought the plague, you know? Like, I was like, look, it's this. And, and the question that I started asking guys, is this what ministry looks like? And the answer should be no, right? That was, this was a really unhealthy environment. After about six months, 
I was leading every team in the church. I was serving. I was teaching once a month. What God was doing is he was expediting the process for me to get ready to lead this. I looked at those seasons as some of the hardest in my life, but they were preparing me for what God had called me to. The perspective that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 5, I think, really helps with this too. It says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. It's not an if. It's a when. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are going to go through difficult times. It's a win. When we go through problems and trials, Paul says we can rejoice. And the reason why we can rejoice is because we have the right perspective of things. Because we know that they help us develop endurance. So all of those problems, all of those difficulties are developing endurance with us. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. We need character. It's the thing that our world lacks significantly. But here's the thing. Calling will get you a platform, but character will sustain it. When you and I are called by God to do incredible things, we have to go through painful seasons because it's those painful things that develop us to do what God has called us to do. And it's in this hope. It won't lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he's loved us and given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Development is a process, and that process only happens through the right perspective. So in your workplace, the mundane things you're doing are actually moments of development. Because every giant you'll slay in the future is being prepared for in the now. Which also leads me to this thought, and that is that nothing is wasted with God. Nothing is wasted. Your painful past, your current frustration, those mundane moments, and even the painful ones, God can use for his glory. And it's not often that we get to see right now how God is using this for what's next. But when we get to that next season, we can see just how God was preparing us all along the way. So know this, that nothing is wasted with God. For some of you, you're listening to this right now, and maybe you, you went to college, and you got a degree, and you are so grateful for all of the education that you got, but then God called you to do something totally different. And you'd be tempted to say, oh my gosh, my education was just wasted. No, it's not wasted. God will do something with it. God is not in the habit of wasting things. He uses the things that he's called us to, and he uses every stage of our life as moments of development to take us to where he wants to go. Don't feel like it's wasted. God doesn't waste things. We'll keep reading in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It says this, that the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And Saul finally consented and said, all right, go ahead. He said, and may the Lord be with you. The third thing I've got for you this morning is that your purpose was given to you by God. If we're not careful when it comes to purpose and giftings, we will fall more in love with the gift than the gift giver. And when you do that, you'll misinterpret 
what is your strength and what only comes from the Lord. So David has talked about how he had a club and he would beat up lions and he would beat up, you know, bears and whatever other kind of animals would come his way. But then he wants to make sure that Saul has a clear understanding of who gets the credit for it all. It wasn't that David was able through his own strength to do these things. It was that the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion will rescue me from this Philistine. What David is doing is he's saying that my purpose, the things that God has given me, my giftedness, all of those things are being used by God. God is working through you to accomplish his plans and purposes in the world. But we need to make sure we understand our purpose was given to us by God for God. Colossians 3 says that all things were made in him and through him. The goal is that you and I understand our purpose is for glorifying and honoring God. And sometimes it doesn't make sense because you're thinking, how in the world can I use these gifts in my workplace to glorify God? But I think one of the greatest things you can do with what God has given you is choose to live differently than the rest of the world. And just by example, you are showing people that your gifts were given to you by God, that your purpose is bigger than everything else. What David's talking to with Saul is that, man, we need to understand where our purpose comes from. And we need to understand who our rescuer is. I think, too, one of the things that David is doing, and I love this so much because I think it's so helpful for you and I, is that David is saying that God has rescued me in the past and he'll rescue me in the future. Sometimes when you're on this journey of figuring out your purpose, you're going to get really discouraged. When you're trying to figure out how you were made and what you're going to do with your life and and in, in, in all honesty, sometimes we, we over, uh, we, we make it too pretty. Like most people, if we were to poll the room right now, most people would say, I have no clue what I'm doing with my life. I'm just still trying to figure it out, right? But then we look on social media, we look on Instagram, and everybody looks like they got their life put together. And you're sitting there wondering, like, I thought you, how in the world have you gone to Disney five times this year? Like, you're what are you doing with your life? Then I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Like most people don't have it figured out. What David's doing is he's, he's reminding himself. It, it looks like confidence, but sometimes you just need that subtle reminder that God's been faithful in the past and he'll be faithful in the future. Like that God hasn't carried you this far to just drop you. He is going to be working out all those things for your good. If you'll just keep trusting and keep pushing and pressing, what you'll find out and discover is that the Lord who rescued you in the past is able to rescue you in the future, and he's going to continue to rescue you in your present. God is a rescuing God. Our purpose was given to us by God. And if we're not careful with this, I know I said it a second ago, but I'm going to hit one more thing and then I'll keep reading the text. When we fall too much in love with the gift and not the gift giver, we'll become so reliant on our own strength that we'll forget that we need God. So giftedness is great, but giftedness is also a a burden. Because if you're not careful, so like I'll tell you this, I feel like I've been working on it for 
eh, 10 years now, I'm a gifted communicator. I can never forget that to do this, I have to have an encounter with God. Because if not, then I'm just getting up here and using good communication skills, but it's not anointed. And scripture is clear that it's anointing that breaks the yoke. It's anointing that breaks chains and shackles and bondage. God doesn't develop a system for you and I where we can depend outside of him. He wants us to depend on him and lean on him. So continue to fall more in love with the gift giver. And if you'll do that, if you'll fall more in love with the gift giver, you'll experience more giftedness than you ever thought. Because ministry is meant to flow out of the overflow of our relationship with Jesus, not out of just working for him. First Samuel 17, 38, we continue. It says, Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, he strapped the sword over it, and he took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never done this before. He said, I can't go in these. He protested to Saul. If not, I, or I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. And he picked up five smooth stones from the stream. And he put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with the shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. So David is having a conversation with Saul. Saul's not really confident in David's ability. Parents... You've probably had this conversation with your kid before, right? When they were like, I'm going to go do this. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you are. All right. All right. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, but before you do that, uh, how about we put a helmet on you and we do some other stuff, right? So David and Saul are having this conversation and Saul is like, man, this kid is about to get crushed. Um, so I tell you what, I'm going to give him my armor. And I think the intention is pure because Saul's desire is actually to protect David. Armor is specifically designed for a specific individual with a certain body type and everything else because when you have gaps in armor, it leaves exposure to the enemy. So Saul's thinking, if I give David my armor and I suit him up and I give him my sword, this is how he's going to be best equipped for battle. And so David puts on that armor and he starts to walk around and he's like, bro, this is a little clanky, you know, like Saul's a little, you know, uh, more a shape than I am, right? Because <laughs> sometimes people are in shape, but... Round is a shape, right? So Saul, Saul's a little more round and robust in some areas. And as he's walking around, he goes, this, I can't do this. This doesn't feel right because this stuff was not made for me. Yeah. And then he takes all of that off and he goes and he picks up what God had been preparing him for throughout the years and he grabbed the sling and the stone and his staff, and he started off towards Goliath. Now, when David gets to Goliath, Scripture says that he slings the stone and he throws it, and with one shot, Goliath goes down. It's an incredible story. If you don't have time today, pick it up tomorrow. It's a great 
read, God does incredible things through this little shepherd boy named David. But here's what I want to show you, which is this. You'll never slay giants in somebody else's armor. If you don't know how God has uniquely wired and designed you, you will take up the armor of somebody else and you'll start to wear it towards battle. But the problem is that armor is ill-fitting because it's not what God gave you. It's the trap of comparison that the enemy puts us in all the time where we look at other people's giftings or other people's armor and we go, man, if I just had what they had, then I'd be able to do this. But most of the time we want what people have without doing the work that they did. I talk to people, and I have the opportunity, I coach communicators around the world and help people in there. I want to teach like you, but what you don't know is I I preach to empty auditoriums more than I do full ones. (laughs) I preach by myself on Saturday nights in preparation for Sunday every week because I want to make sure I'm ready for you. And and when you wear somebody else's armor, it's going to be ill-fitting. In the early days of our church, I felt the pressure of teaching like everybody else taught. And so, because we live in a a connected age, a social media age, and hear me say this, I love when people in our church are posting and sharing content that they're learning from other pastors. Now, in the early days, I was a little insecure. I didn't love it. I'm going to be honest. Now, I'm at a place where I understand the unique armor that God had given me. But in the early days of our church, man, I tried to preach like Andy Stanley, and I realized I just can't sit for that long. (laughs) I try to talk like Stephen Furtick and teach like Stephen Furtick, and I just realized I need my notes a little more. You know, like I, I tried to do all these things. I'm not those people. There's a unique set of weaponry and a unique set of armor that God's given me, and I have to utilize those things. Let's go back to the other point. I'm not quite ready for that one yet. But when you wear somebody else's armor, it makes a difference because you can't slay giants wearing somebody else's armor. So David says, hey, I I can't go in these because it wasn't built for him. Which leads me to this next thing is that you need to discover the unique weaponry that God's given you. Because it's easy for me to stand here and say, hey, don't wear somebody else's armor. But here's what I know. If you don't know your unique weaponry, you'll take on whatever armor somebody gives you. So David accepts Saul's armor in the beginning But the only reason why he knew it was ill-fitting is because he knew what God had given him. And so what we do here at Propel Church is we try and help you figure out how God uniquely wired and designed you. Because you have unique weaponry. And in all honesty, giants only fall when you use that unique weaponry. So when you and I look at the giftings that we have and look at all those things, What we don't do here at Propel Church is I don't give you gifts. I mean, like I might give you a cup or a journal or that kind of gift. I don't give you spiritual gifts. God gives you those from the moment you get saved. Upon salvation, you receive gifts. What we do as a church is we help you uncover what was already there the entire time. You ever like open up a pantry in your house and go, man, I never knew we had one of these. We got this French fry cutter at the house. I'm telling you what, it's awesome. Why cut them by hand when you could just, boom, French fries, right? It was in my cabinet. 
And I had it in my cabinet for a long time. But until I realized it was there and started to utilize it, only then did I receive the blessing of french fries, right? Like, <laughs> your gifts are the same way. You've got gifts. But most of the time, our gifts lay dormant because we've never exposed them. But from the moment you uncover or discover what God placed inside of you, then you can start to take steps into doing whatever your purpose is. And when you fulfill your purpose, when you use your gifts and you glorify and honor God with your life, that's when you start making a difference. And so here at Propel Church, you know, with, when it comes to knowing God, that's our Sunday experiences. When it comes to finding freedom, that's our groups. And discover is where we help you discover your purpose. So discover is actually today. I know you're at the 9 a.m., but here's, here's what I want you to know. It's going to start at 12 o'clock. That means you have enough time to go find a parking lot, do some donuts, because it's still maybe icy somewhere, and then come back by 12. And we're going to feed you. Lunch and child care are provided. But if you've been coming to Propel for a while and you're like, man, I want to make this place my home, here's what we don't do. We don't do uh, membership here because I don't want you to just say, hey, that's my church, and then never figure out how God wired you, how he designed you. We have a system where we help you uncover your unique design and then give you the opportunity to use those gifts to make a difference. And so as we do that, Discover is today at 12 o'clock. And I would love for you to join. And maybe you're saying, hey, I, there's no way I can make it today. This happens once a month, so it's going to be 12 times a year. In the event that you can't do it, there's a fully digital option where you can do the whole thing online. I'll be honest, I don't think it's as good because because the the last portion you get to meet ooh that was a whistle the last portion you get to meet with the team leaders and really talk to people and i would love to help you take this journey in person and in all honesty you showing up to this is the only way that i can do my job as the pastor of this church because according to ephesians my job is to equip the saints for ministry and this is where we equip you to do what god has called you to do so help me do my job and show up to discover. Because I'll tell you this, if you'll go through this and you'll commit to doing, just to go all in for a year, I promise you'll see God move in your life like never before. And so for some of you, my prayer for you today is maybe you've gone through discover, you know your unique design, but you're really struggling with your career right now. My prayer is that God begins to speak to you and show you how he's using those things in your present to prepare you for your future. Maybe you've never discovered your gifts. My prayer is that you take that step today because I think it makes a big difference. But for some of you in here, maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And it's really cool to talk about gifts and it's really great to talk about slaying giants. But can I tell you the greatest giant that needs to be slayed in your life is first the giant of sin. And the only way that that's defeated is not through you and I working harder, but it's by accepting what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because really what David's journey and David's life is, is it's to show us a picture of a God who defeats all odds. 
and defies and defeats sin. And when he slays Goliath, it's what God does to sin in our life from the moment we surrender everything to him. So with every head bowed, every eye closed around the room today, maybe you're here and you need to make that decision to surrender your life to Jesus. I want to give you an invitation. Maybe you're watching online. If you'd say, hey, pastor, I've walked away from God or I just really need to surrender. I feel God pulling me to surrender my life to him. Will you just indicate that by lifting your hand for a moment and saying, hey, that's me. I'm going to make that decision today. Come on. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. We all pray together. Will you say this after me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for checking out this week's message. If you made any decisions for Jesus or you need a next step or have a prayer request, let us know by going to www.propel.church/hub. That leads you to our digital connect card where you can fill out all of that information as well as see what we have coming up here at Propel. Thank you again for tuning in and we hope to see you again soon.